This portion of the John DePietro Show, it's brought to you by Lawn Doctor, your best lawn ever guaranteed. And I can tell you with my own experience what a fantastic job they did and have done with my lawn. The easiest thing to do is log on to their website. It's LawnDoctor.com. LawnDoctor.com. Put in your zip code, your best lawn ever guaranteed it's lawn doctor of rhode island you can call them 401-392-1025 but log on to their website lawndoctor.com you're listening to the john DePietro show it's am 1380 99.9 fm you can always listen online at the website dipetro.com where do things stand with the debt ceiling. Well, let's hear the latest. This is CBS Mornings. The House cuts its Memorial Day recess short to return to Washington after President Biden and Speaker Kevin McCarthy reached an agreement on a plan to raise the nation's debt limit. I never say I'm confident with the congressman do, but I feel very good about it. So it's not 100% what everybody wants, but when you look, the country is going to be stronger. The proposed legislation, dubbed the Fiscal Responsibility Act, would raise the debt ceiling through early 2025, enabling the U.S. to keep borrowing money to pay its bills. In exchange, federal spending would be limited, including funding cuts to unused COVID relief and the IRS, and stricter work requirements for those on food assistance programs like SNAP. Compromise means sacrifice for the most marginalized and the most vulnerable. We are not seeing our ultra-rich, our corporations make any sacrifices at all. But it's not just some progressive Democrats who are balking at the deal. So are many conservative Republicans. That there's people across the political spectrum that are opposed to this. Several hardliners are threatening to scuttle the bill, which faces its first test this afternoon when it comes up for a vote in the GOP-dominated Rules Committee. Texas's Chip Roy sits on the panel and is a firm no. So I'm going to be making that loud and clear to my Republican colleagues that this is not a deal that we should be taking. Today, the House cuts its Memorial Day recess short to return to Washington after President Biden... Well, here's the thing. I understand that he's going to have some hardliners, but you have to be smart about this because, uh, listen, and we could go all day long that Biden totally set this up, Biden screwed up, all those things. But when you start playing with people's money, when people uh, start... Suddenly, they, they just cannot get access to money that they are entitled to. Now, now you're, you're playing. That's the type of thing people are going to remember. That's the type of thing. You don't want to be on the other end of that. You don't want to have to be the one facing that. Now, I, I want to repeat what I've said in the past, and that is that there's, there's far too much money. There's just far too much spending. Nowhere is that more evident than here in uh, in Rhode Island. I want to play. This is the Today Show piece on the the debt ceiling and exactly uh, what they think could happen deal here. worked out by President Biden and House Speaker Kevin McCarthy. The new deadline is next Monday. NBC's senior Washington correspondent Hallie Jackson's got to look at where things go from here. Hi, Hallie. Good morning. Hey, Savannah. Good morning to you. So, yes, the deal is done. Now they have to actually sell it to members of Congress so that this thing can pass before that Monday deadline for the government to pay its bills on time. President Biden says he feels very good about that happening, and some Republican negotiators say they're optimistic, too. This is a deal remember that would suspend the nation's borrowing limit until 2025 so that means the u.s can keep borrowing money and pay its debts it cuts federal spending it claws back some covid relief money about 30 billion dollars worth and it restarts federal student loan payments that have been paused but as is often the case here in Washington, not everyone is happy with everything. On the progressive left, you've got some upset about new work requirements for some older Americans who get food assistance through the SNAP program. On the right, you've got some conservative hardliners upset that this agreement doesn't do bigger budget cuts. So now you've got the sales pitch going with White House aides working the phones to try to shore up support. One official there telling me they think they're on the right track, echoing what we heard from the president. On the Republican side, there's a key committee meeting later today today before the bill would get to the House floor, which could happen as early as tomorrow night, Savannah. And, and once we get through the House, we still got to get through the Senate as well. So it's a long road ahead. 
Well, and there may be some drama there, too. A lot of focus right now in the House because that's the thing that's coming up next. But over on the Senate side, you've got at least one person who's threatened to slow down the process if he doesn't like what's in the deal. And to give you a sense of timeline here, the top Senate Democrat, Chuck Schumer, has already warned his colleagues they should be ready to work through the weekend if they have to, right? Meaning this could very well go right down to that wire with that June 5th deadline. See, I think that what we need, folks, is the Republicans, the, the country needs the White House back. The country needs a leader that will explain that we can't have all this spending and all of these programs that go on and on and everything given out. Uh, what we really need is a president in the White House who will start to walk the people through why we need to have more cuts. That's my belief. You're watching, you're listening to The John DePietro Show. Yankee Tree Service, call them today, 401-439-6028. The tree trimming experts from Lincoln, you can always find them online, yankeetreeservice.com. Tree removal since 2006, 24-7 emergency service available. It's Yankee Tree. Folks, I've dealt with them for years. Tree removal, stump grinding, tree pruning, also emergency service, and bucket truck service you can depend on on Yankee Tree Service. Call them today. Get a free quote, 401-439-6028. And remember, with Yankee Tree Service, they have the licensed arbitrist. They'll come out and they'll explain which tree maybe you want to get removed, maybe what tree you don't want to get removed. Tree pruning, also one of the best things you can do for your property and for your trees. It's Yankee Tree Service. Call them today, the tree trimming experts based out of Lincoln. Call them at 401-439-6028. Yankee Tree Service, 401-439-6028. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, dePietro.com. And they are off. Governor Ron DeSantis is off to Iowa. So is President Trump. Let's get the latest. Donald Trump also heading to that early primary state this week. Chief Washington Correspondent John Carl is on the scene in Des Moines. Good morning, John. Good morning, George. Ron DeSantis will be here in Iowa tonight for his first campaign event since he announced he was running for president. Uh, it's the beginning of a four-day campaign swing that will bring him across the state of Iowa, also to New Hampshire and to South Carolina. The announcement was plagued with technical difficulties, but DeSantis, the DeSantis team, claims that they raised more than $8 million just on the first day. DeSantis hasn't actually interacted with voters since he announced he was running for president last week, but he has done a flurry of interviews, almost all of them with conservative talk shows, and he's used those interviews, George, to hit back a bit at Donald Trump, who has been relentlessly attacking DeSantis for months. In one interview, he said of Trump, quote, he obviously is attacking me from the left, adding, I don't know what happened to Donald Trump. This is a different guy today than when he was running in 2015 or 2016. So some very unusual direct criticism of Trump from Ron DeSantis. Well, he's trying to turn it into a two-man race. Uh, he is, and George, it is not a two-man race. It's starting to become a very crowded Republican field. Take a look at this. There are now more than a dozen either current candidates that have already declared they're running or are actively considering they're running. This week alone, you're going to see, of course, Trump here in Iowa, but also Nikki Haley is going to be here. Tim Scott is going to be here. Mike Pence is going to be here, just to name a few. John Carl, thanks. Okay, and I want to just look at um, exactly the field that they are talking about as they say 2024 presidential candidates. President Trump, Governor DeSantis, Tim Scott, Asia Hutchinson, he is in, Tim Scott's in, Nikki Haley, she's in, uh, Vivek Ramswamy, you know, a lot of people like him, Larry Elder is in, Mike Pence is in, possibly running, excuse me, those are all they're already in, uh, possibly running, Mike Pence, former VP. Chris Sununu, Governor of New Hampshire. I don't know about that. Chris Christie, Glenn Youngkin, Governor of Virginia. Christie, of course, former governor of New Jersey. 
uh, Francis Soiree, Will Hurd. I saw him interview to meet the press. I don't think he should run. And Doug Bergeron. I, him, I don't know. So right now, the people they have listed of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven. I think the Larry Elder one is interesting. Larry Elder ran for governor of California and um, and now running for president, talk show host on Salem. I think that's, I'm not sure what to make of that. So, but one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Now, I also want to remind people, in order to get on a debate stage, it's my understanding you have to have at least 1% of the vote or you have to have raised a certain amount in donations. So that is the criteria. And I know by looking at this, some people are wondering how come some of the people aren't listed, but they have to cut it off somewhere. And the 1%, you have to get be at 1%, um, which obviously isn't a lot, but... It certainly is the dividing line and could prevent some people from getting on the stage. Like many of you folks and I've said, I, I don't like the DeSantis Trump fighting back and forth. I don't exactly, I don't understand what's happening with, um, you even had the situation where Don Jr., Donald Trump Jr. was posting these things online saying that Governor DeSantis wears women's clothes. So I, I'm not sure uh, what to, what's the strategy there, why they're doing it. Seems kind of juvenile. I'll say that DeSantis is not backing down. I think a lot of people, th there are still some people out there that were saying that they thought that DeSantis was going to be the vice presidential candidate for President Trump. That is not clearly happening. So we don't know where this is going to lead, but the... Um, the field is getting larger, not smaller. You're listening to The John DePietro Show. Propane Plus in Rhode Island for all your propane needs. Call them 401-885-4209. In Massachusetts, you can reach them at 508-252-3359. Propane Heating and Cooling it's Propane Plus. Their team's been there three generations. They're available 24-7 for service and delivery, and they plan on serving you for a long time to come. They offer online billing, ability to schedule a service delivery at the click of a button, and remember, all customers receive a free safety inspection on their equipment. It's Propane Plus, and remember with Propane, it's affordable, sustainable, equitable, good for the environment, and now it's renewable. Call Propane Plus today at 401 885-4209 in Massachusetts call them at 508-252-3359 they're very easy to navigate website it's propaneplus.com propane plus call them 401-885-4209 you're listening to the John DePietro show it's AM 1380 99.9 .9 FM can always listen online at our website, dipetro.com. So Congressman David Cicilline, 1st District, he replaced Patrick Kennedy. He is now, as many of you know, he is now actually left office, but leaving office. And he is going to be taking on a new role. It's interesting. The new role is going to be about fundraising. One of the things he said he's not going to miss about being in Congress is fundraising. Congressman Cicilline did do a final sit-down with Tim White on Newsmakers. And it's certainly worth a listen, at least the beginning part. I thought Tim White did a good job with him. So let's pick it up. This is Tim White in the kind of, they call it an exit interview with Rhode Island Congressman David Cicilline. A lot happening right Cicilline. now, but I want to spend a few minutes on the debt ceiling. The country is on the brink of defaulting on its debt. We're taping this on a Friday morning, so a lot can happen. But um, according to national reports on the table in negotiations between Speaker McCarthy and the Biden administration to reach a deal is clawing back unspent federal COVID relief money from states, cut uh, cuts in discretionary spending or a Washington cut, so only 1% growth uh, for federal agencies except the military, <clears throat> and adding some work requirements for social safety net programs. Would you vote for a deal like that to spare the country going into default? 
Well, it's hard to answer that question without seeing the actual deal, but I think it's very clear that we cannot default on the debt of the United States. The implications for Rhode Islanders would be devastating. Uh, people would see their mortgage payments go up, their car payments go up, and unemployment go up, and very likely a recession. So we have to avoid that at all costs. Uh, I think the president recognizes that, and he is attempting to strike a deal that protects his priorities, our priorities, uh, but also prevents a default. So we'll have to see what that deal is. Um, but, you know, what's really disappointing is all of the discussion has been about cutting things that help working families, and our Republican colleagues have been unwilling to even consider rolling back any of the $1.7 trillion tax cut that they gave to the richest Americans and the wealthiest corporations that was unpaid for, that has contributed to this debt significantly. So, sadly, that, that conversation is not occurring because the Republicans will not discuss it. It's only about cutting programs. So we'll see what the final deal is. But I think everyone in the Democratic caucus recognizes we can't have a default. Well, uh, are you sure everybody in the Democratic caucus? Are you yeah. confident about that? Well, I'm confident that everyone recognizes we can't have a default. Okay, I guess, you know, <laughs> my, my question being, do you, do you think there are enough Democrats to vote for a deal that would include cuts? Yeah, I think the president uh, will reach a deal that will have the bulk of the Democratic caucus supporting and some number of Republicans. I think it, it, the deal that at least that's being described, I think, is likely to have bipartisan votes, but enough to, to pass. You know, you're on your way out the door. You can be a little bit more candid here. Um, what happened? Are there people in your caucus, members of your caucus, who are mad? Because early on, Biden was like, there will be no negotiating. What happened to no negotiating? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think the language of there was no negotiating was actually useful. I think most people heard that and thought, of course there has to be negotiating. There's always negotiating. This is a, a divided uh, government with Republicans and Democrats controlling each of the chambers. So uh, I think what the president meant was we are not going to negotiate in terms of default. Like, that can't happen, and he should have made that clear. And I think, you know, it would have been helpful, frankly, if the president addressed the nation and said, look, this is what the Republicans are proposing, these devastating cuts, like, really so people understood what was at stake. I think he believes that, you know, having the negotiations remain sort of confidential between the parties will more likely produce a, uh, an agreement, and probably that's true. So, you know, I think we have to wait until we see the agreement to decide whether it was a good strategy. Did congressional Democrats make a misstep here? Should, a misstep. Should the House uh, under Democratic control have raised the debt ceiling last year to take care of this when you guys were in charge? Yes. I mean, I think we should have, if it was permitted under the reconciliation process, I think it would have been very sensible to do it then. I'm not sure it is permitted under the Senate Can't rules. Can't you raise the debt ceiling whenever you want? Well, you, you can do it, but the problem is you would need Republican support in the Senate because of their rules. You have that 60-vote threshold. Mm -hmm. The only way you could avoid the 60-vote threshold is through the reconciliation. If it could been, have been done during reconciliation, then yes, it should have been done. That. Push come to shove. Is the 14th Amendment on the table for you? It should have been. I think that's actually one of the missteps. I wish the president had said, because I think it's very clear from the language of the Constitution, the 14th Amendment obligates us to honor the debts of the United States. And if, I think the president had said at the beginning, of course the 14th Amendment is available to me. I'm going to negotiate in good faith, but if not, I'm going to use that. He would have had significantly more leverage at the negotiating table. I think once he sort of suggested he wasn't going to use it, McCarthy presented with two choices, a terrible deal or a default. And I think, unfortunately, that's so what it's too up. late, for, you think? Well, I mean, he's sort of back. If you, the president recently has said, well, it's a not, you know, I, I haven't ruled it out. So, but I think it was less clear in the most recent statement. So your seat will be empty um, on May 31st. You know, who knows when the vote's going to happen. But there is a scenario in which uh, this vote happens uh, after you leave, which means one less vote for Democrats. Is that on your mind that you've made this much harder for your party in this situation or could make it much yeah, harder? Yeah, I mean, I spoke to uh, Hakeem Jeffries, the Democratic leader, to, you know, ask about what he thought as far as timing, because my intention has always been to leave effective uh, May 31st at midnight, so June 1st. My guess is that this vote will happen before that. If it happens June 1st um, or sometime after, uh, it won't be a one-vote margin by any means. But but there, I think there's a very strong likelihood it happens before I leave. All right, uh, wrap up this section of the conversation. Give us your percentage chance that a deal is struck that can pass Congress. What percentage would you put on that? I think it, there will be a deal struck that passes. 100%. Um, 80%, at least 85%. All right, let's talk about your uh, career, 30 years in politics. What's your most memorable day? 
Oh, uh, I would say two, if I could say two, uh, the night I was elected mayor of the city of Providence, um, it, you know, we were battling a bunch of folks who had been kind of in politics and I was a newcomer and it was this extraordinary coalition from the east side to the south side. So you had Paolino, right? You Igliozzi, had Igliozzi. McKenna. And, and McKenna, right, okay. So that was, I think, kind of the dawning of a new day in terms of the city of Providence with new political leadership and there was this incredible coalition of every community in the city at Roger Williams Park celebrating that night. I, that will, I'll remember that night forever. Um, and I think uh, the first day that we opened the impeachment trial in, in the United States Senate was also a very memorable day for me. Reflecting on that a little bit, uh, I know we've uh, talked a lot about the impeachment process, which you played a big role uh, in. Uh, any thought, and I know what you'll say on this show, you'll say had to do it, all that. But did that further divide this country? Did that play into, uh, you know, the division between the conservatives and the, and the liberals of this country? Has there been a negative impact from that? Because the impeachment process didn't work, and I think in your heart of hearts you knew it wasn't going to work. It wasn't going to get through the Senate. Yeah, I, mean, I, I don't think it further divided the country, and I think, frankly, the harm to America would have been much greater if we had not proceeded with impeachment. If the message was that a president of the United States could lead an insurrection against the government of the United States and not be held accountable, or at least an effort made to hold him accountable, that would be a very dangerous precedent in this country. And it's important to remember, although we didn't meet the threshold that's required in the Constitution, a majority of the United States Senate, a clear majority, uh, the most uh, bipartisan vote ever in an impeachment proceeding, found the president guilty of inciting a violent insurrection against the United States. And I think the American people learned the truth during that trial and the subsequent uh, uh, January 6th commission hearings. Um, and I think it's very important that the American people know what really happened on that day. I want to play a snippet from your final floor speech in Congress. This was earlier this week, Tuesday night, I think, right? Yes. Okay, why don't we take a listen to this and I'll ask you about it. I knew there were members of Congress who were only interested in being combative and making headlines. But then I realized there were some members who were interested in working together to get things done for the country. Don't get me wrong, at times it can be incredibly frustrating and even disheartening to work with people who may agree with you on one issue, but completely disagree with you on everything else, including how you live your own life. How you live your own life. What are you saying there? Well, I, I was referencing some of my Republican colleagues who have been very uh, opposed to LGBTQ American equality and have voted against basic civil rights for members of the LGBTQ plus community. And despite that, uh, I have had the opportunity to work with many Republican colleagues on other issues. And, you know, what I've learned is uh, when you find an issue that you can work with a colleague on the other side of the aisle with, you have to stay focused on that. I mean, Ken Buck is the best example. He was my partner in all of the antitrust work we did to rein in big tech. He is one of the most conservative members of the Republican caucus from uh, Colorado. We don't agree on anything else. And every time I try to get him to change his mind, I, was, I failed. And I recognized, look, there's an area of competition policy, antitrust policy that he and I agree on. Let's stay really focused on that because I just couldn't get him to agree on anything else. Keeping that narrow lane. Yeah. Yeah, but, you know, some people might have heard that comment and wondered if you faced discrimination as a gay man in Congress uh, on that. You're talking, uh, it, these were policy disagreements yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Com completely, not something you experienced personally down in Washington. No, and look, we, we heard our colleagues say kind of horrible things about members of the LGBTQ plus community um, in their districts, in their campaigns. So there's a lot of that rhetoric, uh, but I didn't experience it personally. What aren't you going to miss? Uh, I won't miss the travel back and forth every week, although we had an easy commute compared to many of my colleagues <laughs> yes. who travel across the country. Um, but, you know, flying back and forth every week is something I will not miss. So, and fundraising is something I definitely will not miss. I mean, miss. the election cycle every two years yeah. is uh, pretty rough, yep. I would say, and having to deal with people like me. Um, how job. would you, uh, 2011, you landed in Washington um, in the minority party then. How would you comp contrast Washington in 2011 to the Washington you're leaving in 23? Um, I think it's a more challenging place today, in part because I think there were big policy differences in 2011 between Republicans and Democrats. 
But there was some, I think, greater willingness to work in a bipartisan way on issues. And the Republican Party back then kind of had a set of principles that they basically adhered to. And I think after the advent of Donald Trump, the Republican Party has, you know, in their last presidential election, they didn't even have a party platform. They basically said, whatever Donald Trump is for, we're for. That's a big change to not have a Republican Party that's advocating for kind of smaller government, lower taxes. That was sort of always how they describe themselves. And it's a different party today. And uh, isn't the Democratic Party a different party today? Well, I think the Democratic Party has always been a party of working people and for policies that help people get into the middle class. I think President Biden has really reaffirmed that. Um, our party is a party that fights for the people, and I think there are policies that you know help and support working people, the working poor, help people get into the middle class. So I, I think those have remained the principles of the Democratic Party. Um, and I'm excited, you know, there's a new cavalry of young people in this new class that are uh, just incredible. Um, but I think the Republican Party has changed fundamentally, and that's why I think you've seen a lot of people, voters, leave the Republican Party because they, they want to get back to kind of that tradition of the Republicans. Well, the voters leave the Republican Party, but they took over control of, of your chamber. So right. there's obviously enough support in this that's country. Right. For the, yeah, I mean, the... let's be frank, that's in large part to gerrymandering. Uh, we typically win more votes nationwide than Republicans, but because they control state houses, they've drawn district lines that keep them in power. And this was a midterm. President empowered typically loses significantly, and we almost held the House. So uh, I think you're going to see very different results in 2024. All right. We're going to go to a break, but before we do, I, I, I want to... Um, well, I guess I want to state a fact, and you tell me if I'm wrong. If Jack Reed retires, you would strongly consider jumping into the Senate race. Jack Reed's not going to retire, it's and not I'm the starting I a new job. <laughs> I understand. No, I've made a commitment to the Rowland Foundation. I'm going to approach that job with the same seriousness and commitment and dedication that I approach to all the jobs I've taken, and um, I'm looking forward to doing that for a good long time. People at home did not hear a no, though. I, look, I'm starting a new job that I am incredibly excited about, and I'm going to devote all of my energy to that. If I were interested in staying in politics, I would have stayed in Congress. And um, this, I'm really excited about being the new president. This is one of the things you won't miss that we <laughs> asked you about earlier. All right, we're going to take a break on the program. When we come back, we will talk about the Rhode Island Foundation. Our guest this week is Congressman David Cicilline. Stay with us. You're watching News. Nice job by Tim White. Again, folks, you're listening to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. It's Congressman David Cicilline, kind of his, they call it exit interview on Newsmakers. Interesting, he said he's not going to miss the fundraising. That is the new job. Uh, it's, it's, it's just interesting also to hear his spin. They won't even acknowledge that the Republicans are in power because that's a lot of the issues that people believe in. With him, it's all just because of the way it's rigged as far as the gerrymandering, as he said, with the voting. Um the, the, the fact of the matter is that Senator Reid is staying. Everyone is living longer, so all the politicians are staying longer. He's tired of being in the House. He's tired of every two years. He's going to bide his time doing this job until Senator Reid decides not to run. That's just the fact. You're listening to The John DePietro Show. Get your driveway paved. J. Perry Paving. Letter J, J. Perry Paving. High quality, fair pricing, exceptional service, over 25 years experience, specialized commercial paving, residential paving, seal coating. Call for a free estimate today, 401-732-1730. J. Perry Paving. Hey, learn about the benefits of asphalt paving, whether it's a brand new paving project or a cracked driveway. It's affordable, smooth, safe to drive on, aesthetically appealing. Asphalt can be recycled, reused. J. Perry Paving, a licensed and insured contracting company committed to meeting your needs. No matter how big, how small, contact them today for a free quote, 401-732-1730. What a difference it makes for your driveway, for your business, parking lot, J. Letter J, J. Perry Paving, 401-732-1730, online at jperrypaving.com, and look for them on Facebook.
You're listening to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, DePietro.com. And at DePietro.com, you can see we're starting to get more details on the situation that happened in Johnston. Now, I have not, in uh, in all fairness, I haven't dealt a lot with the Johnston police. Somewhat. They definitely, um, it's, it's an interesting community because they did have a homicide and it involved a teen. And there was some controversy that people felt they weren't getting the answers that they wanted. So there was that. But there's a lot of questions about, and, and, and it's going to take a very long time for some uh, questions to be answered about what happened last week. And it, again, I have it on the website, depetro.com, but you can read about this James Harrison where, you know, obviously an odd figure. He's living with his mother. I think he's 52 years old. His mother's in his 80s. And he um, was kind of stalking his next-door neighbor, 15-year-old girl. So the father, her father, calls the police. They hear a noise at the house. Can you imagine? At almost midnight, it's late. And uh, he believes he sees his next-door neighbor with a ladder up on the house, trying to peer into the window to look at the young girl. I mean, it's frightening. So what do they do? What do you do? You call the police. You call 911. The police come out, Johnston Police. Now, this is last Tuesday night. In, uh, into early morning hours of Wednesday. Can you imagine how upsetting it was to that family? They were up late. They have their neighbor. The guy apparently then took off. If you see the way the houses are situated, um, the driveway of the neighbor is on the other side. It's the first house when you're coming in and their house is next to it. So you can't, <clears throat> you can't really, um, you can't see... Well, actually, no, farther in is where the neighbor is. You can't see exactly. It's not like you're looking into their driveway. You're actually not. The house blocks if there's a vehicle in their driveway. So so anyhow, they um, he took off, and then the police couldn't. He wasn't home, and then they. I think they had his cell phone. They were trying to reach this James Harrison, and he was, wouldn't answer or whatever. So... I think it's going to be really interesting to find out and important to find out what, how is it left? How was it left with police that night? So, okay, they call the police. They come out to the house. He's not there. He left. Now what happens? Well, we know what happened, but the question is that I have is what was the plan of the Johnston police? Now, we don't know that. They, we do know they were showing back up on the street right around 730 7.30 the next morning, and that's when the father and his daughter traditionally, I believe, would leave the house and uh, get her off to school. There's some other family members as well. I'm not sure when they would leave. I think they must have left earlier because after this incident, there's no evidence that there was anyone still in the home. So I believe there's a, another parent and then another child, but they would have there's no evidence that they were home when this happened so but i think some questions are how was it left to him did he say okay you know call us if you see him call us if you see him uh what time i don't know how what, what time do you leave in the morning uh we you know we normally leave at seven thirty. okay then you know call us before you leave call us if you see him uh, they're going to issue a no trespass. I would think normally that would be two officers would come out to issue a no trespass. I think that would be standard. I've been in a situation where you see two officers arrive to issue a no trespass. Uh, for some reason, Johnson just sent one out. I don't know why they didn't send someone out at, how about 6.30 in the morning? How about 6 o'clock? Okay, there's his vehicle. Now, we do know that this James Harrison came home was confronted by the mother over the fact the police were there. And then he apparently, allegedly, shot and killed his own mother in the early morning hours of Wednesday. So Wednesday morning, the father and his teen daughter go to leave the house. And when they go to leave the house, there's their next-door neighbor waiting for them, and he's in the driveway. And when their garage door goes up, he apparently shoots and kills the father and then wounds the young girl, 
the teen. He then flees. As he's leaving the street, a Johnston police officer is arriving. Now, I just wonder, was there any communication? And these are things we don't know, and I, I think it's going to be some time before we do know. I don't think they're going to be very forthcoming. I think the Johnston police are going to say, you know, they're still investigating. But I just wonder, um, now a police officer, and again, folks, this is all mapped out. If you go to depetro.com, we have that on the website. And then we have, it is, uh, it's very frightening what police found inside that home. That guy, James Harrison, the neighbor, was a real nutcase. And, um... And what police found once they did get access to the home, and he had a secret room. But I want to come back to the events of last Wednesday. So I, I don't know the answer to this. I don't know why. What if Johnston police had come at, and I know it seems, maybe this seems unfair. Maybe it seems Monday morning quarterbacking um, in hindsight. But that guy was in that house, and he had shot and killed his mother. So what if Johnston police had rang the bell at 6.30 or even 7 o'clock or even 7.15 if they had said to the father and the daughter, all right, we're going to come by, make sure you get off okay, and, and we'll deal with this individual. So I think it would have been a different scenario. Now, let's play devil's advocate. It, it easily could have been that this individual, it, it's very possible that he may have opened fire or had a confrontation with Johnston police. However, they're armed. They're prepared. They have training for that type of thing. I think some of the questions that come into play that are fear questions is why was an officer alone and why didn't they go earlier? You're talking a difference of like two minutes. Two minutes. If that officer had arrived at 720, or say, you know, the father, all right, we're going to come by, make sure you get off okay, and then we'll deal with your neighbor once then you're gone. Explain, can't go over there, no trespass, and so forth. It didn't happen. I'm not trying to, you know, dig into the wound here, but that literally was the difference of life and death. And, and it is possible. It is possible that an officer um, could have had a confrontation with him. But then you would have had a situation where it would have been a police officer who's trained, who's armed, and easily could have radioed for some kind of help that there were, you know, an officer under attack. These are all things that we're going to have to wait to see how that's going to come out. You're listing. It's again, it's all on the website, DePetro.com. You're listening to The John DePetro Show. Falcon Pest Services. 12 months of the year, you could have a pest problem serving Rhode Island and Massachusetts called Falcon Pest Services today, 401-739-1322. Free consultation, 401-739-1322. Locally owned and operated, serving Rhode Island and Southeastern Mass. They offer services for termites, bed bugs, ants, roaches, mice, rats in the summertime spring fall mosquitoes and many other pests call today for a free consultation whether it's for your home or a restaurant maybe it's once a year maybe it's once a month call falcon pest services today free consultation 401-739-1322 residential and commercial whether it's an office building a school a hotel a restaurant or your home call falcon Pest services today. Free consultation, 401-739-1322. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online uh, on our website, which is dePietro.com. Now, also, when you're on the website, dePietro.com, you're also going to see uh, we have a lot of unique original stories. We have stories and video that you can't find anywhere else and there's also there's no shortage of uh different things that are happening in in news and it's incredible what police have to deal with um especially i saw the story i want to call out the winsaka call the winsaka call had this um i'd say it's unusual rather unusual story individual identifying as a woman 
arrested after brawl with police. Our friend Russ Olivo does a fantastic job for years he has. When an individual who described herself, I'm reading right out of the Winsaka call, described herself as a transgender woman walked into Luke's bar in Fairmont with a hairless pet rat on her shoulder Monday afternoon. Police showed up. Matters were resolved without much fuss, but things got much more complicated. A few hours later, police found Brittany Jones still clutching a cuddly rodent laying sprawled on a patch of grass outside of Kentucky Fried Chicken. This time, police say, Jones was clearly intoxicated, became combative when informed they intend to take her to the hospital for observation. During a fracas that ensued, she allegedly assaulted two police officers, exposed her breast in <clears throat> private area, penis to them, and threatened to kill at least one of them by squashing his neck between her thighs. <laughs> These are the types of things that police have to deal with. So, never been arrested before, charged two counts simple assault, resisting arrest, disorderly conduct. According to the police report, employees of Luke's Bar River Street instructed Jones to leave the premises with a rat four o'clock, telling her improper to have the animal in a bar where food and beverages are served. Jones protested claimed the rat was, quote, a service animal. She was being discriminated against because she's transgender. Police spoke to a number of patrons, told them Jones had become agitated, confrontational, when they asked to remove the furless four-legger from the premises. Eventually, Jones backed down and left without further incident. At 9.20, police were summoned to KFC, located right opposite the police headquarters. Saw members of the Woonsocket Fire Department standing over Jones, she lay in a strip of greenery adjacent to the parking lot. They were saying needed to go to the hospital, but she was refusing to move, didn't want anyone to separate her from her pet rat. Jones kept taking the rat, placing it underneath her shirt on her breast to prevent the socket fire department from removing the rat from her. They retrieved a container to place the rat inside of. However, Jones refused to cooperate around this time. Jones allegedly began tugging on her shirt to expose her breasts while making obscene comments. She also began pulling down her jeans, exposing her male genitalia about the grounds of the fried chicken restaurant, which was open for business, patrons coming and going. Several police officers summoned to the scene. <laughs> Where was I with my live stream? Moved Jones from the area. Police said she violently resisted their efforts, assaulted two of the officers, attempted to get Jones into a pair of handcuffs. Ultimately, she had to be carried into a police cruiser. At some point, the notion the destination would be a hospital evaporated. Police instead decided to take her into custody. She continued to resist after police delivered her the door entryway to the booking area, deliberately dropping her pants to her ankles and making walking difficulties, so the police ended up removing the garment. Police reports say she was so combative inside the police station that for a time she was initially held in a padded cell. Handcuffs were not removed. Meanwhile, personnel from the Animal Control Division collected the pet rat for safekeeping. This is life. By the way, great story. Great story, Russ, in the Woonsocket call. How about that? Folks, um, this is, like, this is what it's like for police trying to deal with the public in 2023. Someone seemingly <clears throat> a little off. He, she, pronouns, rat is a service animal. This is what it's like for police. You're dealing, you're listing, you're dealing, you're listing, you're dealing with the John DePietro Show. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. <laughs> The Coesed Inn, 226 Coesed Avenue in West Warwick, Rhode Island tradition since 1977. Delicious food, great atmosphere, whether it's lunch or dinner or drinks in the lounge. They can also accommodate large groups. A great meal, a feast is waiting for you at the Coesed Inn. Stop it and see them all year round. 226 Coesed Avenue in West Warwick. They're waiting for you at the Coesed Inn.
to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at our website, DePietro.com. Remember, weekdays, 11 to 2. But visit the website, DePietro.com. That's the best way to reach me. There's a direct link. Contact John. We also have all our sponsors right there. We have unique, original reporting, stories, videos. Also, all our links to social media, whether it's Facebook, when we do Facebook Live or YouTube or Twitter. It's all right there at the website, petro.com And then remember, once you're there, you can also visit the shop. We have great gifts that you can get. It's a happening. All links to the show. Plus, if you ever miss any part of the show, it's all right there under radio show right there folks it all starts by logging on at dipetro.com and on the left hand side you can always listen live again all our links everything begins and ends right there at the website dipetro.com get the most of your outdoor space with limitless outdoors Call today for a free quote, 401-580-1852. Limitless Outdoors, they specialize in patios, walkways, steps. They did a fantastic job on my outside steps. Outdoor kitchens, landscape lighting, retaining walls, lawn installations, excavation. Call Limitless Outdoors today. Let's dream, build, and enjoy. 401 480-1852 based in Smithfield Limitless Outdoors they also do indoor fireplaces or outdoor fireplaces Limitless Outdoors call them today free quote get the most of your outside you're going to love what they can do for you 401-580-1852 401-580-1852 Limitless Outdoors dream build Enjoy. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, dePietro.com. Well, I want to tell you about what happened in Johnston, and I'm going to give you some details that other people don't know. So you're going to hear things that you haven't read anywhere else, you haven't seen anywhere else. But obviously, you learn a lot by being unseen. You learn a lot by being plugged in. And this thing started Tuesday night at midnight. This has been a problem neighbor. I feel terrible for this family that it happened to. They have a creep living next door to them and a creep who's obsessed with their 15-year-old daughter. Now, you're also going to learn, I've learned from Johnston Police, that they found that this individual who lived with his mother 52 years old, meaning the individual, the suspect, that had a secret room they found in his house. And in the room, he had stolen items of that belonged to this girl next door. I feel terrible for this young woman. He had pictures of her, her family, the house. He was obsessed with her. He had timelines and kept calendar of their comings and going. Um... So apparently, he he would even go and literally even put, from what I'm told, a ladder up to the window to look, try to look in on this young woman. So much so, I I think someone even told me that the family even had to switch rooms. I mean, it was that bad. And then, I mean, a ladder in the house. And again, this creep is trying to look into their windows. They called the police. The police arrived there at midnight. He had left. But his mother was home. So when he got home, his mother, whatever happened, apparently the suspect, he then killed his mother, they believe, that night. Now that morning, the next morning, Wednesday morning, family unknown, not knowing about this, I don't believe, they come out and he's essentially waiting for them. And he goes right for the girl and her father. That's what I've been told. And he takes the life of the father. He did shoot the girl, but she she has non-life-threatening injuries. He then flees there. As he's leaving, the police actually see the car. Someone called 911. Shots fired. 
They see him. They didn't stop him. But then now, then the search begins. So he's at St. Anne Cemetery, Cranston Police, an off-duty dispatcher, spots the vehicle, calls in, they respond, and then the chase begins with Cranston Police going after him. Now he's already shot three people, taken the life of two, certainly a dangerous individual. And then he is riding on the wrong side of the road, Plainfield, right off 295, Right in that, it goes into Providence, Cranston, Johnston, where they all kind of meet there. But he's in Cranston, Johnston, part of it. I'm not exactly sure of the boundary, but right off of 295. And then he then tries to jump or does jump the median. And, and I, he's hitting police cars. And then he spins off the road. He was going very fast, as high as 80 miles an hour, into a rock. Now he's surrounded by Cranston police, and they have their weapons. And what he needed to do was put the gun on the dashboard, put his hands behind his head, and exit the vehicle and then kneel down and surrender. But he did not do that. He came out of that vehicle brandishing a weapon and then pointed that weapon at the Cranston police who then, I'm told, fired as many as 110 rounds. Somebody, yesterday, as I, we were waiting for the press briefing, a member of the media was horrified, like, I can't believe they shot 50 times at this guy. Well, keep going. <laughs> Double it. Hey, listen, when you're in a situation like that, and you're law enforcement, now you had two officers there with AR-15s. Those are, that's, that's 30 apiece right there, so that's 60. As many as 10 officers were involved with the shooting. Definitely six, but I heard as many as ten. I talked to law enforcement. They said, you empty you empty the chamber. That guy had crossed over. Cranston police ended this chase. And that was that. So you don't blank around in Cranston. So horrible situation started in Johnston. Cranston police took care of business. You're listening to the and by the way, all video, everything is up on the website. DePetro.com. You're listening to The John DePetro Show. Remain healthy. Stop in and see Marie at It's My Health, 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. You can also look for her on Facebook, but call her 401-305-3585. You know the building. It's that historic white church diagonally across from Davenport Restaurant. It's my health. What do you find inside? Well, first of all, great service, great selection, vitamins, herbal remedies from trusted companies, local products like ICE, honey, maple syrup, beef fresh gum, over 250 bulk herbs, teas, and spices, plus hemp and CBD products, natural skincare. It's my health. Pop in and see Marie. 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. There's things for your pets. There's things for your children. There's things for your health. Stay healthy at It's My Health. 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. Again, call Marie, 401-305-3585, diagonally across from Davenport Restaurant. 